0: Welcome to the Extra Podcast. This is episode number 195. Dude, you were so mad. This is not you,
1: 195. You were so matter-of-fact sure when you is. introduced the show right there. Is it? I thought we were yeah. 200. That sounds know, like 200.
0: Matt Chandler. Right. Okay, let's go. All right, let's do this. Let's jump in. We got work to do. Uh, joining me today, uh, this very special Extra Podcast special? episode. Why is know. it special? I don't know. Uh, Everything's special, right? Pastor Ezra. Yes. Pastor Kyle. Oh, I thought you hello. were calling me. No. (laughs) Pastor Jeff. Yep,
2: I'm here. (laughs) Pastor
0: Andy in the corner. It's a pleasure. Jeremy, the intern producer. Hello. Apparently I was
1: wrong. It is 195. For some reason I thought we were into episode 200 something. No, it's okay. We're five Five weeks away from the big
3: 200. What are we going to do for the 200? Just excited. Are we going to do something big? Something like maybe video? I'll bring my big jacket. You know, watch this space. Where's the BC Turkey jacket? Oh, it's coming. Yeah, Brother, it's there. What Do the you know, ever
2: since like? I started making fun of your your, um, your calculator watch and your BC Turkey coat, you don't wear them anymore. No, the
3: calculator watch, I told you, the battery's dead. Secondly, okay. my BC Turkey thing, it's not raining as much yet. You'll see it, Jeffrey. It is good. Actually, I love that jacket when you and I travel together. Is there, is there the a nerd head. inside you? No. <laughs> not just inside, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no? No, 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 no. no. There's no nerdy. I've seen those
1: glasses with tape on them, buddy. They, oh, come on. I have the seen keys, those glasses. The keys, he's got a cell phone
2: holster, and he's got his <laughs> keys attached on a string to his waist. <laughs> That's
3: great. It's hey. practical, though, right, Ezra? You, t- totally it is. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Kyle, for supporting me. Leave this to <laughs> Ezra, Ezra is alone. tucking
1: in his shirt as we speak. Exactly. <laughs> Pulling out the pocket protector.
0: That's just when you know things are getting down to business. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's get to work. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. Hey. In my hands, as I speak, is hot off the presses copy of Andy Steiger's "Thinking: Answering Life's Biggest Questions." We've been talking about That's this right. book s- no, since it's
2: five biggest questions. What'd I say? He only there's only five big questions. Right. That that he that answers. he can answer.
3: That he can answer. Well, did
2: yeah. he try it anyway? Okay. So, Andy,
0: I am if I. Every
2: day you If meet I was
0: me just given this book... wish I hadn't acknowledged you on the book. I would look like... <laughs> I, I would think that this book was quite
1: official and proper. Are you trying to say it's legit? It looks right? like a real book. <laughs> I'm saying it looks like a legitimate book. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. So,
0: good on you. We want to give a copy of, of this book away, though, because at The Extra Podcast, we are about giving. We're about thinking and giving. Yeah. And so, so the way we're going to give this book away is If you can email into the extra podcast at extra at org, the first person that we receive the correct answer to the question that is, What is the name of Andy Steiger's wife who works with him at Apologetics Canada? So send into extra at Northy.org the name of Andy Steiger's wife who works with him at Apologetics Canada, and we will give you a free copy of the thinking book. And we'll That's do it. That's pretty easy, man. Because we get. Well, I don't want it to be like a trivia question. Well, let's give let's
1: give uh, let's give away a second book. Okay. okay. and that's if you can if you know my middle name.
0: Okay. Oh, there you go. Oh yeah. So, and we'll be able to timestamp to see which one came in first. So, one copy goes away to the person who can name Andy's wife, and the other one who can name Andy's middle name. And, and so they're not the two. They're not saying The same. The same.
2: Those are, are two, two different as names. as we speak. Ezra cannot win the. Prize. You know. Um, this generation is searching for meaning in a variety of avenues and directions whether or not these individuals consider themselves to be thinker andy steiger's biggest five questions keep getting raised in an exceptionally wide variety of venues from everyday coffee house chit chat to various media to technical treatments addressing these subjects adequately can do more than just stimulate our minds finding the answers can lead us to absolutely exciting fulfilling and stimulating lives to this end i heartily recommend Steiger's book as a means of engaging in this quiet quest for ultimate purpose and meaning. Gary Habermas. Mm. P-H-D.
3: <laughs> Habermas! How about this one, buddy? No, I'm not going to
2: read all of the <laughs> other ones. Okay, Lee Strobel on the back says, We need more thinkers and writers like Andy Steiger. Uh, I think we all beg to difference. <laughs> <laughs> I think we find that one Andy Steiger is sufficient. <laughs> but anyway, Lee... Who doesn't really know him? <laughs> <laughs> We're buddies. Thinks that there <laughs> we need more thinkers and writers like Andy Steiger. His new book is a terrific example of how to engage people on the questions that really matter. So we are doing our best to promote this book right now. Once, one time. We're doing it once. <laughs> we are doing <laughs> it, By the no. way, so so how much much is I the did
0: book? not ask for by the how way. How much is the book? How much? Is the Andy Harris's book? book. It's fourteen dollars, right. that it says on the back. Yeah, thirteen ninety nine.
3: Thirteen ninety nine. Thirteen. Both. And I you know mean, what I appreciate
0: be... is that you made that the same pricing for American and Canadian I was gonna say US I sure and Canadian, did. so it's cheaper up you here know than it is there.
1: Because I'm sick of seeing books say two different prices and as Canadians we gotta pay more. <laughs> right. So I said no way. Right. Even though our dollar's tanking right, right now. But it's all right. Good for you. So, you. so thirteen ninety
2: nine, you can buy this book at
1: uh you can buy it at Apologies Canada or thinking Series.com or Amazon currently. Or at the conference. Or at the conference. Yeah, it'll Kindle? be for
2: sale at the conference. It's Kindle not? soon, not yet. Really? Okay. Andy's going to do
1: a, uh, he's going to read it at some point. A book reading. Yeah. He's yeah. going <laughs> to do a dramatic book reading. <laughs> will Kindle <laughs> have the audio version of the book? Uh, somebody was telling me that I should do Just that. have somebody uh, read will. it. I will. You it, should well, get a Have the Ezra author, read it. Ezra. Oh, you should have it. Apparently the author is supposed to read it. Oh, oh whatever. Um, oh, that's whatever. all I'm telling you to Ezra wrote it anyway. Just That's true. Ezra actually wrote it. Yes. But it's... Andy. Congratulations, Andy. Yeah. We are you, all boys. for Thank you.
2: Thank you. Um, yes. I'm about, I was about to read the uh, the, the, the it, dedication, but it actually is dedicated to his wife and two children. So yeah, but I don't can't tell you, you that because, mm. yes, you would then... Yeah.
0: Uh, this is good, man. This is a oh, lot of years this? of hard did work. I,
2: I'm reading, reading the acknowledgements. Uh, I made it. Kyle... Meeker made him rewrite sections. <laughs> so Jeff pushed me deeper. I did underwater. John Pazook uh, and yeah, Pazook was one of my readers. Community Church made it. So
0: so the only people around this table who weren't acknowledged you, me and Ezzie, Ezzie, and, Ezzie. and Jeremy. Well, Jeremy's obvious choice to Well, wow. that's okay. Right. That was I mean. Some... mean. <laughs> Wait, he's arrived on the scene so late in Andy's life. Oh, is that right? Life.
2: Oh, that's right. Okay. Ezra's now looking at the acknowledgments to try to find out why his name is not. I am a a little bit missed. (laughs) All right. Anyway, enough about Andy's book. Your name is Andy's excellent book available at Amazon uh, and other fine retailers.
4: It is a great book. It is well done, well written, and uh, great stories that weave through the chapters. That's what one of the things I really appreciated about and was encouraged by the stories Mm -hmm. that you were able to weave to highlight these issues.
0: Well done. Thanks, man. Leave it to Kyle for saying something meaningful and sincere. Oh, yes, I haven't, I haven't actually meaningful m- and sincere. been able to yeah. read So yet. everything Sorry. Jeff said. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying. Kyle has a has a way of making people feel good about themselves. Hey, we have questions. Thanks, Kyle. He just patted my back. I appreciate that affirmation of your affirmation. All right, go. Uh, here we go. You get to work. It's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. First question is... Uh, what does the Bible say about what will happen to those who are ignorant of Christ and die apart from him? So, and then he asked the question, like a small child or someone raised in a region not reached by the gospel? I would think we would want to differentiate a little bit between that, those two options, or would we not want to? Yeah, there, there, there's a short kind
4: of summary answer to that question, and then there are books and books that have written about those questions. Um, I, I, would say that the, I would take the short summary answer is that children who die uh, before an age of accountability, before coming to a knowledge of of good and evil, um, I would put them under the umbrella of God's mercy and grace in Christ, Now, which isn't we put explicit in Scripture, but that's the way i theologically put together. Uh, But those who have reached an age of accountability, people aren't um, turned away from heaven because they haven't believed in Jesus. They're turned away from heaven because they've rejected God. And so the fact that they haven't heard the name of Christ um, doesn't leave them outside of God's revelation to them. Um, Paul talks in Romans 1 about God speaking through creation. And that's accessible to everyone on the planet. Um, Yet that access to that revelation um, shows that we are rebels against God at heart. Uh, we're not <clears throat> as wicked as we could be, but we're rebellious against God and not worshiping Him and thanking Him for being God. Uh, Romans 2, Paul talks about how our conscious uh, consciences also condemn us because we, we do the things that we know we ought not to do, and we prove that by being critical of people who do things to us that we don't like, yet at the same turn we end up doing those types of things as well. So um, people outside the... So we all know... We all know about yeah, God. We all and know we're about con- God. And we're we're condemned
2: based upon our rejection of the knowledge that we have. And did, not ignorance. And, we're not judged on our ignorance. And everybody rejects on right. the knowledge that they have. It is something that is fundamental to humans because we are all born in sin.
4: Yeah, so the, the, the name of Christ is what brings, us, uh, brings our attention to our sin uh, because of what he taught and what he did on the cross and what he proved at the resurrection. Uh, and that is what awakens us through the spirit to life in him. Um, so at heaven, it's not, did you not hear the name of Jesus? It's why did you not
2: um, believe and and obey the revelation that you did have? So do you want to make a, a, a distinction between ability and opportunity? And by that, I mean, is there a difference between somebody who has the ability to believe? <clears throat> and by that, I mean, um, Down syndrome, child, or, uh, and I'm assuming there that, that, somebody with down syndrome can't i actually think that they probably can believe they actually probably have one of the, the simplest faiths that you can have um but there's a difference between that and somebody who has opportunity yes right no? yeah so this is where it gets into opportunity of, meaning the person who's out in deepest darkest you know argentina
4: right if there's yeah. an innocent person uh, you know in the middle of a huge city that just never hears the name of christ or an innocent person in the middle of, you know, a remote jungle that never hears the name of Christ. If they are innocent, they will be with God in heaven. But the problem is once we uh, once we reach an age where we see what's around us and we then see God speaking through creation and speaking through our conscience, once we reach that age, we universally reject that and we want our own way. But in
2: your argument, you're establishing the ability. They, somebody needs to have the ability to do it, which I would think would place would get. place so, so you're saying well children don't have the ability to make that decision, so I'm wondering if you're willing to put somebody who's special needs, and who is think cognitively challenged in the same category. I, I think I know your answer. Yeah. Is yes, yes, yes. yes. So me. I'm you, I'm just stating that I think you're making a distinction, one that I actually agree with, between ability and opportunity. Mm. So all those who have opportunity to know about God, which is everyone who lives on the planet. Because creation speaks of him and our conscience, mm-hmm. everyone who has opportunity to know about God has rejected him and therefore is deserving of eternal judgment
4: because they've rejected life, they but rejected not all who have ability,
2: right. but not all have the ability to and that's right. where you're establishing this this age of accountability so that's a theological category that you're going to have a hard time I'm, I'm asking you, you're going to have where are you going to go, Kyle, to prove to me that, that you have that there's an age of accountability?
4: <clears throat> when um, David loses his first son, a uh, child with Bathsheba. Um, Second Samuel it, 12. He, he's mourning when the child doesn't look healthy, um, but then when the child passes, he talks about, you know, seeing that child again. Um, so I take that to be... Does it, but he um, says, I, I go to him I will go to him. So yeah, there's two ways people that we interpret death? Death, that mm-hmm. he too will go to death, mm-hmm. but there's an underlying ring of hope within that, I think, that that mm-hmm. that leaves open the possibility for that child, because they haven't reached the age of accountability
2: yet, they haven't reached the age of, of understanding to be mm-hmm. um, with God in heaven. So I I'm gonna say that I think it I think the Bible is relatively silent on this, on that portion. About those who have ability. I don't know what the scriptures Say, regarding those who don't have ability, whether it's children or uh, the special needs.
4: Yeah, there is not an explicit chapter and verse. Um, this is just me theologically putting a lot of pieces together. mean yeah, I mean, I'm, coming y- to that if conclusion. if
2: I'm if I have a friend whose child dies, I'm going to comfort them with the with the words that won't the judge of all the world do what is right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm. I'm, I, I, I personally hesitate to, to go further than that. I, I think we just need to leave it in the hands of God. It's something I don't, I don't believe He's totally revealed that to us. Those, what, what God will do with those who do not have ability to respond. He certainly has revealed to us what those who have opportunity and ability, <clears throat> which is everybody else.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, on that note, I think that's one of the challenges when we raise these kind of questions is it reminds me of Genesis chapter 3 when the serpent is speaking with Eve and begins by questioning God and then twisting God's words. And I find that when we wrestle with questions like this this is often what we do is we really what we're doing I think quite often is questioning God's goodness. And just like you were saying Jeff will the it, it's more of will the judge of of all the earth do what's right. Mm. And and for I think that that's the question that a lot of us need to answer when we mm. wrestle through questions like this. Um, do I believe that God is good and that He will do what's right? Can I trust Him? I, I find that in a lot With, of without, the questions knowing, I ask, without necessarily
2: knowing the answer to the question, can I leave it in in His hands and know that He is right? This is really the dividing line, isn't it? Yeah. Between those who will receive or or, or reject God, yep. is that the, those who reject. Insist on having an answer to that question before they're willing to acknowledge him or submit to him.
1: And, and as we read in the Bible, this co- God constantly comes back, whether it's Job or whoever. Will you trust me? Mm. At the end of the day, will you trust me?
3: Yeah. Okay. I I have a different take, and I'll put it out there and see what you guys think. On the on this question, I think, in my opinion, I think it has everything to do with. Um, children of the promise it has to do with election so this has nothing to do with the person's ability to choose or their choice or anything like that but god's divine appointing of people who will come to saving faith so i'm wondering so when a child is born obviously god would have as as i understand the scriptures god predestined people for salvation he predestines people for salvation now obviously we would say that as people grow and come to an age of ability and maturity and they can discern between right and wrong and all these things and then God by his divine providence, chooses to elect some and not others. So he'll open the eyes of some, but not all. Right. So I'm wondering if I am wondering if God does the same for infants, such that there are those whom He will elect and those whom He won't. Now, so, I, do, so, I don't have any biblical. So, so
2: I'm going to I'm going to challenge that, and I'm going to mm-hmm. say uh, first I, what I'm arguing, and I think I'm putting words in Kyle's mouth, but I, I'm, mm. we talked about this before, so I'm pretty sure I know what he thinks. What we're arguing is that those those who, those who die without ability. Mm-hmm. Okay, as opposed to opportunity, those who die without ability are elect.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All of them. Mm-hmm. That means that every child that's is aborted is, is elect.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now I know that there's a whole bunch of discussions now this gets into some goofy discussions now. Well, if that's the case, the best thing we yes. could do for anyone is to kill them before birth. Yeah, that that doesn't make any sense because that's not the scriptures condemn it, mm-hmm. right? However, I I do believe that's what I'm saying is that that those who die prior to to uh, prior to opportunity, or whether mm-hmm. those who don't have ability are are, actu- are actually elect, mm-hmm. it is possible that what you said is true. However, because mm-hmm. so the difference is that you're saying, yeah, well, some of them are elect and some are not. Mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you though that I get really uncomfortable when we talk about election. And talking about it as well, God chooses, but He oh, he, he He demands a response. He does. So, so I, this is where, a point that where, is, where and, I and want to push back and say, well, the human responsibility is is, is is as much a part of this doctrine you, as you bet it is divine sovereignty. You so bet it is. The idea that God is going to act unilaterally and not
3: hmm. demand a response. Mm-hmm. He does. Is demand, one that I, is one that yes, I struggle with. And, and again, just so that we are clear, I wasn't saying that man is not responsible. He is. But now here we are talking about um, an individual who has not yet reached the, the age where they can make or call upon that response. So I'm looking at, for instance, Romans 9, when I'm seeing, okay, so you have uh, these two who are wrestling in Rebecca's womb and God chooses one over the other. Right. And I'm wondering, okay, so can he do that? Can he do that? And the infant does not reach an age of accountability. Yeah,
2: I would. I struggle applying that because both of those did reach an yes, age of accountability. Yes, they category. did. So, like, I I struggle with that because I. But again, this is this gets back to my point. I don't know. Yes, we don't know. Like, I don't know the answer, yes. and I say, "What? What is the judge of all? Won't the judge of all the world do it is right?" And by the exactly. answer, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know the answer to the question about what God does with those who do not have ability. mm Hmm. As opposed to those who have opportunity, New, I do know yes. what he says about those who have opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, so, some have argued a different route, and that's that God knows counterfactuals, yep. and so that God would know what you would do if, if, mm-hmm. and and by and he bases um, his judgment on that, on, on that, yeah. which is also
2: a possibility. Again, it is like this is where I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, maybe. Again, I, I don't know, and if I get mm-hmm. to, if I stand before God one day and and he says, nah, I base it on counterfactuals. I'll be like, yeah, okay. okay. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you want the judge of all the world to do what is right. And okay. if he says, okay, no, right. actually, I elected this, I'll say, yep, you are sovereign God, and mm-hmm. you, you show mercy on whom you'll have mercy. And you, you, you're,
1: yeah, yeah, I, uh, That's why I keep going back to the trust <laughs> thing. is because I don't know. Hmm. The Bible isn't clear on this. So at the end of the day, what it is clear on is that I'm supposed to trust that he'll do what's
3: right. And that God is just. And that he's just. He's he's good. Mm -hmm. He's just. He's good. He'll do what is right.
0: All right. Good conversation, guys. The next question is about a lifestyle of repentance. And this person says, I've heard Jeff talk about this idea of a lifestyle of repentance and would like him and others to provide some clarification on what does this actually look like? So the first the first kind of can I, before you go
2: can, before you go further, can totally. I just like that's not just my idea. I'm getting that from Martin Luther, uh, whose first of the 95 theses is all of life is repentance. Okay, mm-hmm. is that the way he phrased it? I'm looking around yes. the table. You guys, look, mm-hmm. I, no, what I are you for, Kyle? You're supposed to know the answer to that.
4: I don't remember the the last 94 theses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that
2: that's his point. Is all all of life is repentance is the first is his, the first of the ninety five theses. And so this is this is a discussion that's developed out of that. George Whitfield actually wrote quite a bit about this and discussed what this would look like. Tim Keller has followed in his footsteps and provided some resources about this. So uh-huh. so no, there are, there are some I'm using those names so that if you want to know. Uh, where that comes from and how they've answered that question, you can actually look for Tim Keller, George Whitfield, Martin Luther, All of Life is Repentance. If you do a Google search for that, you will come up with some resources that will go down that path.
4: I just did. And thesi, thesis, (laughs) thesis, number one. Theses, I think. uh, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, in Matthew 4, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. So Luther is connecting that back to Jesus. Yep. So there you go.
1: Yeah, which is huge. For so
0: here's the the two questions then uh, from that idea. The first one is because God's holy, is there ever a time where we truly have nothing standing between ourselves and God?
2: Like, you no, know, it's, it's a difference between sins of commission and sins of omission. Yeah, uh, is there ever a time where you you perfectly meet up to the righteous standard of a holy God? Probably not you are omitting lots of things that you should be doing. Yes. So no. On my own accord, probably probably not. There's a lot of discussion about this by the way that you're getting to, into discussions regarding Keswick movement and other Wesleyans and others. Who, they've tried to figure out, okay, so cuz Wesley believed that you that you, there what you could live a life of perfect holiness or perfect love is what he said, right? Mm-hmm. Which of course Everybody else is like, "What? <laughs> like, where are you living, man?" And but he had to define what he meant so narrowly that if you if you listen to what he's saying, yeah, you might come around to say, "Yeah, it is possible for you to live a life free of any known sin." And so usually that's where the discussion lies. Is most people say, "Yeah, okay, you might be able to live a life of any known mm-hmm. sin if you just talk about sin as acts of commission, commission as opposed to acts of omission." Uh, But most people, I I don't actually think that anyone who's Protestant would believe that you can live a life that is that is uh, free of any sins of omission.
3: Hmm.
2: So yes, the answer to that question is yes. Most people would say absolutely that we always omit something.
0: The second question is um, the writer says that I get the sense that a. Thanks be to
2: God, by the way, for Jesus Christ. In whose blood we stand, right? Amen. Yeah, and whose active of, act of obedience. So, the doctrine of the active obedience of Christ mm-hmm. is that all of our sins of omission, the things we've left done, undone, Christ did. actually did by keeping the law on our behalf. Yes. So, even though I don't keep the law perfectly, it's not just that I actively commit sins against God, I actively omit things I ought to do. Jesus did those things for me. Mm-hmm. And so, his righteousness, his positive. Uh, Merit that he earned by keeping the law before God is attributed to my account. Yes. This is a b- beautiful doctrine. So mm-hmm. the, the cross provides an answer to the sin of omission. Yes. Sorry,
0: go ahead. No, it's good. The person said, I get a sense that a lifestyle of repentance is more than just keeping short counts with God. Mm-hmm. It, is it different than just keeping short account with God? And if it is, how... How so
2: I think it's constant thankfulness for the for the act of obedience of Christ which is what I just said the fact that Christ is the law keeper on my behalf and that God credits his
1: work to my account mm. I think the, the the challenge though from what i 'm hearing them and I, I see this often in the church is people thinking they've got to keep a short account of their sins because they constantly need to confess those sins for forgiveness I,
2: I, yes but i'm I'm actually suggesting that, that the the way we do this is that our posture toward God should be one of humility and a ready willingness to, uh, to admit where we're, where we're wrong. This week I'm going to be preaching a sermon on the sin of Achan. And uh, Achan, and mm-hmm. he, he hid the devoted things yes. in the ground. Mm-hmm. And um, his sin is, is grievous and it kills people, both his family and a bunch of soldiers. Who went into a fight? I not knowing that that the God wasn't with them. So his sin affects the community in massive ways. I'll talk about that. But one of the big characteristics of this guy's sin is that it's hidden. Yeah. Right. It, it it's hidden. And what what I'm saying when we t- when I talk about all of life is repentance is to stop hiding, stop pretending that you did didn't do that thing, mm. that you're not a liar, that you're mm. not a thief, that. that when the Lord brings to mind, or you you see, because the Spirit convicts you, yeah, I, I don't I don't use my words in an upbuilding way, and I didn't do it in this specific occasion to come to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry, but I glory in the gospel. I glory that Christ has done all that I've left undone, and that Christ has forgiven me for all that I have done, mm-hmm. and that's what I mean by all of life is repentance. It's a constant coming back and glorying in the gospel of Christ. It's not a uh, trying to keep short account so that you can keep your merit up with God. It's just a glorying in the gospel. Mm-hmm. The Lutheran meant just constantly glorying in what God had done.
1: And that word repent means to turn away. Yeah. So you're constantly turning away from what's distracting you from Christ and putting your attention back yeah, on it, him and what he's done for you. Agreeing
2: fully. with God that what that action was was contrary to his will
1: and your, your good. The thing that I think people get confused on is thinking that this is a part of their sanctification is that they need to constantly ask for forgiveness. And then they don't realize that they, when, when you've been forgiven, you've been forgiven. And then in somebody who's been, who's been forgiven and has received um, God's grace, not that you need to constantly ask for that grace, but that there's a certain way you'll behave in light of the grace that you've received. And that's repentance, that you'll constantly turn away from what's distracting you from Christ and put your attention back on him. I
2: don't know, you said there were two questions. I'm happy to... That was the second one. Oh. We got him.
0: Come on. Done. Hey, another question for you guys. Uh, This one is about violent video games. And the question is, should Christians play violent video games? Should they play games like Grand Theft Auto or other games that recreate historical wars for the player to participate in?
2: That's a good question. I've actually approached that before. Now, Greg, I'm looking over at you. You're a Halo player. I, I actually am not. Oh, I'm a I, I, Halo. <laughs> Let's in the see day, how well defined those thumbs up, Back in Greg. the day, I loved Halo, <laughs> and uh, I, still, I still enjoy a good first-person shooter. And mm-hmm. so there it is. I put it out on the table. So uh, perhaps my involvement in that mm-hmm. has been has been... Uh, you know what, though? I will say that I have, in my own life, made a differentiation between people and... Zombies. Zombies. Oh. And aliens. <laughs> and aliens. Yeah. Oh, man. The only kind of good alien is dead. Alien a dead what? what about an alien What about an alien That would be the one that I would shoot first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> zombie aliens need to die. They, they have are. the least you amount of mean? opportunity to... <laughs> <laughs> no. If I see one of those, done. Done. <laughs> done. You know what? Uh, I think there's a... Yes, there's a way to to play the games, I think, recognizing that they're just games. Uh, I, I do think that there is, this, this is a Christian liberty. So I, I'm going to chalk it up into that. So when you're asking the question, is it wrong? Uh, I think it's uh, there's a liberty there. For some people, yes. The answer is going to be yes. That the scenes of violence are going to affect them in a significant way. I, I don't think I would play these video games around uh, certain Mennonites who hate war and who have a conscience that leads them there. I'm going to think about that. Likewise, I'm not,
1: what about Grand Theft Auto, would you put that yeah, in a different actually, category because
2: well you're getting into issues regarding sexuality and things there and you're participating in the beating up of women and things. So I I I struggle a little bit with that, but I'm not sure exactly if my if my I'm very happy to be corrected about this.
1: Well, one thing that kind of that I constantly think about is that in our culture there's this constant process of of I, I don't know, for lack of a better word, just like a pansy culture like like pretending as though war doesn't exist or like because I know a lot of people who don't let their kids watch anything that's even semi-violent uh, no you know nothing at all and I'm like I can appreciate where they're coming from in one aspect but on the other aspect I'm like we act, that's actually the world that we live in is well, a, and also a you violent to, world. You get
2: to rejoice in justice oftentimes in those movies uh, that, that you know, when you, when you watch a film where the good guys, you know, at least the way they're portrayed in the film. I know in the real world, you know, it's hard to determine who the good guys are. But like in the films oftentimes, they're, the good guys are being portrayed as the ones who are trying to bring justice to a situation. And so mm-hmm. I, I do think that that is a redemptive theme it's something that the scriptures speak about and so it it can be something that's redemptive you can't have violence that's that way you also in films can have violence that is gratuitous and overboard i mean i'm thinking about quentin tarantino and the way he he tries to make bloodshed beautiful Mm. i think that's troubling for me um does that mean i've never watched a tarantino film no i have uh I, i think there's a way to watch a film again that is as a sieve and not a sponge that you're actually being critically evaluative it's hard when you get into the video game stuff because you're actually participating in, in it. So, I, I, again, I think this is a place where you need to think long and hard about your conscience, long and hard about what kind of effect this is having on you personally, how it affects the Christian community that you're a part of. I think you need to be careful about doing these sorts of things with people who have a conscience that's
1: different than yours. Let me hmm. let me raise something on that note. Like, me personally, I don't watch war movies, Um I, Saving Private Ryan. I just don't find them enjoyable. Did Plus, you like Saving Private Ryan? Well, I haven't watched it because no. I, I find that it's that it's de- like it's depressing, and I find it uh, yeah, just not good for me. But one of the things I'm finding, though, is more and more, you don't need to watch a war movie anymore. You just go on to <laughs> the news and watch the latest YouTube video of somebody being beheaded. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't watch those either, but I think it's fascinating how we've moved to this. It's almost like gladiator culture in many ways that, that we participate in the real now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah th- I think we're too quick to not
4: think about the effect those games may have, especially as um, teenagers and preteens are playing games because the the brain is still developing and and. You know, the media and images, <clears throat> I think, affect us more than we are willing to grant, mm, yeah. uh, and, and just, I mean, just the, the whole neuroscience of how mm. you know, pathways are being formed and with different responses, that's a, a growing um, field of study. And I think that we as Christians are too quick to, um, to just accept things and not think about how it may be affecting us. Uh, so the, the first thing I would say is just the, you know, get a bigger picture of what's going on here and how it may be affecting someone. Uh, and the second one is just the time that it can take. Mm. Um, at the same time, we here in the West have, you know, 14-year-olds that are spending hours and hours and hours on, you know, the, the latest video game. Um, you know, I can go on YouTube and watch a 14-year-old in another country who is is describing his pledge to ISIS and how he wants to to, to grow up for that fight and that battle. And so we have violence artificially on, you know, the video screen. But then we have someone who is wanting to engage in real life war because of a, a cause that they think is worthy of war. Um, so, yeah, the, the broader culture, I think, needs to be thought of. Is anyone better than the other there? What's that? One of those is better than the other. One is, be- one is better. The video game is better because it's not engaging people in that sense. Um, but the kid who's you know, pledging to ISIS, although horribly misdirected in that pledge, he's engaging in real life. But people, although horribly misdirected,
0: people have been pledged to violence against others for the sake of a big cause. Well, prior to the video game, to I video see. games. Oh, yeah, I'm not
4: saying that videos caused this. You know, 14 year old to pledge, you know, allegiance to ISIS. I hear you saying I'm, that you, I'm, he's I'm wasting, wasting time. I'm sa- I'm saying that they're there that we're we're devoting our time and our energy to something. Okay, but and it's. So sometimes so, it's hours and hours of video games, and sometimes it's a misdirected so as, as, view of who as, God
2: is and what God calls us to to follow Him. As somebody who has played video games with friends before, Halo, for example, spent an entire day with my friend. I, I've noticed that men like to talk more when we drive cars, when we're in a car together, so that we don't have to look at each other. Look at the. I have had some of the best conversations of my life with with guys while while we're playing video games on a campaign now i'm not saying that that result justifies the the thing necessarily but but i am saying that there is a communal thing that happens my sons play we play a lot of madden football right now when they're playing with their friends it is laughter and goofing around and it, it is true friendship taking place they're really enjoying it i'm talking about their feelings all the time sometimes they do but it's focused time together that they really enjoy each other's company because they, they do this. I'm trying to figure out why that's not real life. Why is that not real life?
4: No, I was going to the extreme of, of the mm. time spent that ends up being alone or only online, and that becomes the consuming drive of life. Right. Because I, just, I want to be engaged in that game, and that's, that's the predominant. Right. So there's a but pe- I think that's my point,
2: though, is that, that part of this discussion is. There are dangers all around this. Oh, totally. One of the dangers is too much alone time focusing on a world that is not the real one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but like everything, video games can be used for really cool things like friendship and development of keeping up ties with somebody from a long way off. My, my son has played video games with a friend of his you know in New Zealand before and they'll play and talk and things like that. So so it can be an activity that you do with buddies. It also there's also the the, the fact that like I'll sit and play Madden football and I just really enjoy it. It's fun. Uh, to build your team and do this stuff. Now it's not a real world activity, but at the same time I, I think it's I, I don't think it's bad or wrong. Oh no, that,
4: that, I was just just presenting the, the caution that it mm. can be and I'm telling a you that double edged sword can be it can be used for good. But
2: the double-edged right. nature so, of it. again, is that it you can need to be, care- be you need to be careful yeah. with it. But I'm telling you, when the alien apocalypse comes, I'm going to be I'm, the guy who's ready. I want to be on your team. <laughs> well, I'm just I saying, because we're I'm, human. I'm right? just saying, dude. I'm going to be ready to go. i just hide behind your <laughs> shadow. Right. So, so Ezra, they're going to be looking plays. for drone pilots. I'm going to be that guy.
0: <laughs> Ezra, I've noticed you've been looking at your iPad for a while. So, how is Clash of Clans going for you right now?
2: Tell me you're not playing Clash he of Clans. He is. He plays Clash of Clans all the time in meetings. Unbelievable. Hey, hey were, you, were you playing that or not? Do you know Look, we I were just actually ta- looking at Halo?
3: Do, do, Halo? Do, you, do you know?
2: Do you know what we were talking about just there? Yes. While you were taking the city.
3: I was looking at Jeff's game.
2: Oh yeah, there it is. <coughs> That's Halo. what I was looking at. Just wondering.
3: Okay. Halo.
2: So, <laughs> uh, we're right
3: out of time. And you're going to go home and trouble. No,
0: <laughs> we're running out of time here a little bit. But I don't play video games, so. But I wanna, I. I wanna ask the question just to end off know. a little bit on a, on a contemporary issue. Did anyone watch the Oscars or have oh, any, yeah. any horses in the race there? I watched
2: portions of the Oscars. Uh, it is an interminable. <laughs> it's still going, isn't it? Uh, honestly, the, it is the interminable. The reviews of the reviews of the reviews, and the <laughs> hosts and or the hostesses are always awful. And they always try to do too much. Don't you feel like the Oscars is, the, is like the biggest cool kids in high school group that you've ever seen in your life? They all get together and have all had plastic surgery up the <laughs> wazoo. <laughs> Honestly, there's some people who've, who've actually walked. They walk up and you're like, I don't think there's a single wrinkle on that woman. She's like 50. <laughs> it I, is bizarre. Have you seen Lady, Lady the movie, Gaga Birdman? Bird 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 wasn't won, crazy. Huh? Lady Gaga, there's no meat dress or anything. She sounded really good.
1: Yeah. I think no she's actually wearing a dress. Anyway. I know, <laughs> no me dress I know. It's like start. maybe this is. She's, she's. No, from what I understand. She was singing from "Sound of Music." She did. Uh, she did. It's very good. She did a good job. But but Birdman apparently won. Yes. Right. So Have, I, has anybody seen that movie? I, heard, we, I, I saw heard, the first few minutes of it
2: and then decided to uh, pause it and my kids uh, till later and then we. All, my wife and I got really tired and fell asleep. You can actually rent it right now. And, mm. so yeah, it's supposed to be a very good movie, but it's an insider movie. It's a movie about the the, the bi- movie business. There was a
0: guy who went on, who I heard on the radio talking about. He's a film critic and he said, "Birdman's not the best movie of the year by far, but but whenever Hollywood has an opportunity whenever the academy has an opportunity to to vote for a movie that's about the movies the majority the majority of the people voting are
2: movie viewers are
0: actors who are male in their 60s that's your average voter for the academy and they the person said whenever a movie about movies comes out that's the one that's going to get the votes that's why the the artist I think won yeah. a few years ago they're just yeah. infatuated with their own
2: craft, mm. and they're the ones that. As get is evidenced by the Academy Awards themselves. Yeah, that's yeah, a big. That pat they are awarding on the back. themselves. The, yeah. the best moment in the entire show, though, is the Lego uh, the Lego Movie song. It was great, and how in the world the Lego Movie was not nominated in this thing is just a shock to me. Yeah, because everyone is awesome, dude. Everything, everything is, is awesome. awesome. You know what, though? Yeah. We, it's cool to be part of a team. One of the big stories about this, though, is that <laughs> you stopped. have... You, just cu- cult- culturally, what you got with the, with this is everybody stood up and had a... Ha- there was a pro- always a project. There was always something that somebody stood up and made some sort of statement about society. Hmm. This is an interesting movie. It's not new. Hollywood has always wanted to be, to be known as, you know, world-changing. I just find it interesting that everybody had a different issue it's not just one issue it's everybody had a different particular issue that that rallied a certain segment in the crowd it was the black guy who won the, the best song started talking about the number of black men who were incarcerated and you could the, the room was largely silent of course i was thinking they're all white <laughs> like everyone in the room is white for the most mm-hmm. part and so i mean many of the things that they pointed out are are true challenges in the world today, but I, we, we're in a day now where activism is the thing hmm. of various w- stripes, activism, world changing. It really does provide a landscape for gospel communication, I think, right? Absolutely. Because if you're talking to somebody who wants to see the world changed, for us to say to them, it's never going to happen unless you deal with the root, mm-hmm. and that's sin, is that's the message now. Hmm. Yeah, Everyone recognizes that, that there is a problem. Yeah. Just getting to the root of that problem. Yeah.
0: And Peta's not that,
1: like Peta
2: the. Peta the. Does anyone know that guy's real name? Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the Hunger Games guy. Nobody knows his name, by the way.
1: (laughs) I thought that was the silliest name for a character. And he's five foot two. No. He's the smallest guy on the planet. People against. Or no,
0: people the ethical. For the ethical treatment treatment of animals. Where's the F in that? What the? Pafita. It's there's no F in it. People for. Oh, ethical treatment. Yeah, that that doesn't
2: sound right then. Pafita. Uh, Death is anyways, silent. Death
0: is silent. In my in my sermon on Saturday night, I had a throwaway line about how, you know, we're all concerned about the men and women and young and old being slaughtered, slaughter, but no one cares about the sheep, goats, donkeys. And then after my Saturday night sermon, Sarah said, you probably offended all the animal activists in the room yep. by saying, who cares about the donkeys? Yeah. <laughs> well, who cares about the cats? That's the kind of hard-hitting <laughs> stuff you get at the weekends here. <laughs> Cultural critiques on PETA. Unknowingly. Uh, hey, we're going to wrap up, but... Uh, Kyle's pointing to Ezra we and whispering did, we things. we got to say
1: something about the mission campus. Was oh, awesome. we launched the mission campus yeah, this weekend. It was
2: amazing. If you live near mission or are interested in that, you should go up there and have a look. It we it should was huge. There's all sorts of people who showed up. Lots of people who How many showed up? are going to make it about six, a little over 600. Uh, okay. The room doesn't hold that. The room holds... They say 450 if you squeeze everyone in, but I don't know what they're talking about. I think it only wor- holds about 350.
3: 375
2: tops. So, it was people standing at the back in
1: biblical proportions of people. It was pretty fun. It was <laughs> great fun.
2: We had a good time. It was it's going to be a great great deal. So, if you're interested in doing that, you know, like waiting the first week and then going the second might be a good idea because mm. Yeah. Well,
0: everyone.
1: all the young adults won't go this next week.
2: Or some will. No, or some will. Yeah, you never
1: yeah. know. You never know. But, man, we would love to see you out there at the Mission Campus. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Or here. Lots and mm-hmm. lots of
2: chances to go to church. There's a lot of services that not if you come to church.
1: Right. So
0: Sunday night, Greg? Yeah, no, that's another option. <laughs> so, you have options, and we'd love to see you at one of those options.